Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, and we ask, Lord, that once again you would meet with us, that you would encourage us, strengthen us, challenge us from your word, that our time here would be a recharge, a strengthening, that we may continue to serve you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, take your Bibles if you would, and let's start in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. We'll read just a few verses here. Uh, This was part of the ongoing, one of the records in the Bible, of the ongoing battle between Jesus and the Pharisees and the, uh, the, the temple leaders. And in verse 38 of Matthew chapter 12, it says, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. Now, you have to understand, as we look at these words, you need to understand the hypocrisy that is here. How many blind eyes had Jesus opened by the time we get to Matthew 12? How many lame people had he healed? How many demons had Jesus cast out? How many good works had Jesus accomplished by the time we get to Matthew chapter 12? Quite a few. And yet, these scribes, these, the scribes were the ones who were responsible for copying the Word of God. They were uh, also called lawyers in, in the Bible. They were the people who were responsible for uh, the preserving the words of God. And the Pharisees, of course, were the strictest and, and most self-righteous, which is not a good thing. You want righteousness, but you don't want self-righteousness. And so they came together and they said, Master or Rabbi, uh, uh, we would see a sign from thee. We want you to prove who you are. Now, we, we live in a world full of scribes and Pharisees today. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I, I, I believe Jesus. If, if there was any real proof, if, if the Bible wasn't so full of contradictions, I, well, anybody would make a statement like that has already made up their mind. They've already refused. And so, uh, Jesus gives them a simple answer in the following verses. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. And we'll just stop there, and if you want to start turning to the book of Jonah, that's where we're going to spend our time tonight. Jesus said, listen, I'm not giving you a sign. Except for one, the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, Jonah really is the most uh, 
One of the most fantastic stories in all the Bible, is it not? How that he got thrown out of the boat and into the whale's belly and was in there for uh, three days and three nights and then he got vomited out on the dry land. And, and uh, by the way, um, if you happen to be walking along the seashore and find a chunk of whale vomit, uh, it's worth a lot of money. Uh, people actually collect those things. I think they make perfume out of it. Uh, but it's supposed to smell very bad. Uh, it's just one of those little facts that uh, has nothing to do with the sermon here. But uh, Jonah is, is an unusual story. And you will, I often say, God does not drag you kicking and screaming anywhere. But Jonah comes awful close. Uh, he really, really does. And... Uh, what Jesus was telling the scribes and the Pharisees is Jonah was three days in the fish belly. The Son of Man is going to be three days and three nights in the earth. And if you didn't know your Bible very well, that might be quite cryptic. But let me tell you, after Jesus was crucified, what did the priest do? the chief priest of the temple, they hired a Roman guard to protect the tomb because they understood from what Jesus said, and this was one of the things that he said, they understood that he was claiming that he would raise again from the dead. How many of you are here in New York City? I guess this was about 12, 15 years ago when Menachem Schneerson, the uh, grand rebbe of one of the... Uh, Hasidic groups died, and they had those uh, uh, young yeshiva students. I mean, they, they worshipped this man. They felt that he was their Messiah. It's interesting that certain groups of the Hasid, uh, especially this one, hates national Israel and the people who call themselves, who, who are Jews. They say, they're not Jews, we're the real Jews, and they hate each other. It's, it's, it's a terrible thing. It's just a sign that you can know that these people have nothing to do with this book called the Bible right here. And uh, yet, it was so tragic. This rabbi died and someone, one of the news commentators, I'm sure, just being snarky and mean and all of it. What are you going to do? Your rabbi's dead. And this was the retort of the student. You wait till the third day. wonder where he got that idea from. You see, they can say what they want, that the New Testament doesn't affect the Jewish people and all, but they, they, they know what's in there. They know what's in there enough. And of course... Menachem Schneerson is still in his grave, and he will be until God calls him out on that fateful white throne judgment because he will not be on the right side of eternity because he refused to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the same thing these scribes and Pharisees, Jesus was dealing with them, and he says, listen, the Son of Man's going to be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
Then he said, the men of Nineveh are going to rise up and they're going to be your judges because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And then he said, a greater than Jonas is here. He goes on to talk about the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, who came and he claims to be greater than Solomon. There was no question that Jesus was explaining to these people his deity and his position being greater than any other man. And we look at Jonah, and I would like for us just to try to tonight to get through the entire book of Jonah tonight, just to go through the story, but to get some things here. The sign of the prophet Jonas. And so we start... In verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Now Jonah was one of the earlier prophets, if we understand. He was uh, of Galilee, uh, if, if the area that would be called Galilee. He was of the northern kingdom. And Jonah was given the word of the Lord to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. That was the world-ruling superpower of Jonah's day. Um, By the way, they were not nice people. Uh, You read through Isaiah and Jeremiah and many of the prophets that were there when Israel, the northern ten tribes, were taken over by the king of Assyria. Uh, They had a way of subjugating the captives. They literally would take a large hook and put it in the flesh and drag you off in chains. Uh, They believed in removing people from the land that they lived in, and they would put them in another land that they did not know, and that way they solved the problem of rebellion. And uh, so these things were going to happen. Jonah understood that uh, the Assyrians were not people that were friendly to Israel. They were not going to help Israel. In fact, God had already used them to judge Israel on several occasions, and Jonah said, I'm not going. Now, is it very intelligent to disagree with God? But let me ask you a question. How many of us have disagreed with God since Sunday? You had to stop and ask God to forgive you for something. Hello? Am I the only one? Okay, I see some hands going up. You see... We like to look at the story of Jonah and say, man, what a rotten guy. But we do the same thing. You know, God wants us to take his message to the world in which we live. Amen. And that's increasingly more difficult as we live in a world of Headphones and earbuds and virtual reality and 
uh, alternate paths of truth and all of these attacks that the devil has launched in, in society today to take people's attention away from the truth, we still got to do it. And God gave Jonah that call. And He said, you go to Nineveh. And so, we see Jonah's rebellion in verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And went down to Joppa. And when he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them in Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, the adjectives that are in your Bible and all of those directional words are absolutely amazing. How many times has Jonah gone down already? He went down to Joppa. He went down to the ship. Later, he's going to go down into the bottom of the ship. Later, he's going to go down into the fish. And the fish is going to go down into the bottom of the depths of the sea. Uh, Can't get any lower than that. And so, Jonah decides he's going to leave and do something else. I, I want to challenge you. Uh, what was that little song the children sing? I don't want to be a Jonah and be swallowed by a fish. I think it was one of my kids used to sing it. To, I think it was Deborah. I don't want to be a donut and be swallowed by a fish. Now, that could actually happen. Uh and, and from sometimes we get from this sermons that are preached that if you step the least bit out of God's well, He's going to do all these mean and horrible things to you. I've, I've heard preachers preach sermons, if you don't tithe, God's going to get the tithe one way or another. He'll take it out with car repairs and with sick this and all. No, let me tell you something. If you really want to understand the book of Job, look at all of the blessings that Job missed. Look at the joy. How many of you have ever been frustrated with life and frustrated with yourself? Uh, That is not a pleasant place to be now, is it? I mean, the problem when you get in a fight with yourself is you can't get away from yourself. You take yourself everywhere you go. You take your problems. You take the pressure, the agita. Every, and that, that is Job. Job could have missed out on all of that by just simply obeying the Lord. God was going to get the gospel to the people of Nineveh. And God was going to use Job to get it done. And to say that God programmed Job, to, I mean, Jonah, we'll get the right guy here, uh, that God programmed Jonah to be rebellious against God just shows you how silly Calvinistic thought really is. It just never makes sense when you put it in the Bible. That's why we reject the, the Calvinist thoughts. And so, Jonah, having a free will, decided that he would go, but God sent a great wind and stopped him. The, the, the ship was likely to be broken, and the, the Bible tells us that in verse 5, they cried every man to his God. They were trying to find out, but Jonah was down asleep 
in the bottom of the ship. Now, one thing that will get us into trouble with the world as we take the gospel is a callousness toward other people's need for the gospel. And if you want to get callous, just disobey God. Because it will put an inner turmoil in your heart and in your soul, and you can't do anything. That's where the devil wants to have you. But when we surrender to the Lord, he will do his work. Amen? And so, as we read the story, we find out that... And and I like to point this out, that Jonah was so rebellious against God that when the ship couldn't be rowed to land, when Jonah knew there was no alternative except to go to the city of Nineveh, he said, throw me and drown me. Throw me in the water and drown me. He says, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'll die first. Guess what? God said, maybe you won't. You know, there are things worse than death. And we, we need to understand that the greatest thing that a Christian can do is just serve the Lord. Amen? Just surrender to the Lord. And so, they took up Jonah, cast him forth, and the sea ceased from her raging Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And to me, the saddest and strangest word in the whole book of Jonah is chapter 2 and verse 1. Then... What this does is this gives us a time frame. Jonah says, I'm not going. He gets into the ship. The ship gets caught in the storm. The storm increases in intensity to where the ship is almost ready to break up and sink in the waters. And he gets woken up from his nap by the uh, frantic ship captain and its people on the ship. And he says, I'm a servant of the Most High God and I'm running away from him. Uh, And... He's the creator of heaven and earth, but I'm not, I'm not going to be obedient. And they're all just sitting there going, you, you know the creator of the universe? And you're not paying attention? You're actually disobeying him? These, these were men that had done all kinds of crazy things to worship false gods. They knew the stories, the, the world the false, the devil's gods require all kinds of sacrifices, even up to human sacrifice. And here Jonah says, "I worship the true God, and I'm not, I'm not obeying him." And they're just going, "What's wrong with you?" And he says, "Throw me overboard." I'm still not going to Nineveh. I'm still going to disobey God. And he's in the whale's belly three days and three nights. Now, I want to challenge you. You need to try this sometime. Take off your watch. Turn off your cell phone. 
and just go into a small room, maybe even a closet or something, something you can make, uh, cut out all the outside lights and see if you could sit in the closet for 15 minutes without coming out and checking your timepiece first. I promise you, you might get five or six minutes. Most of us would probably do two or three. Because just sitting there in a small enclosed space in total darkness, you, you get disoriented and time begins to stretch and close. And, and you have to remember that Jonah was in a much more confined space. Don't, don't try to do what Jonah did, but... Uh, Three days and three nights. Uh, I, I tell you, it would be as close to an eternity as you could endure in this life. But that's how long it took the stubborn, rebellious Jonah to stop saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. He realized, hey, maybe, maybe I won't die. Maybe, maybe I am dead, uh, but I'm not. I, I, I can still feel, I can still think something, something is terribly wrong here. And so Jonah does the only thing that you can do when you're in real trouble. What does he do? He prays. Jonah prays. And he understands some things about prayer here that we can learn. He said, I cried, verse 2 of chapter 2, by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardst my voice. Some people say, well, see, Jonah actually died and God brought him back to life. No, Jonah, uh, if you... Now, we're not Catholic here. We do not believe in limbo, but this is about as close as you can get. He was stuck in the well's belly. He was still alive, but it sure didn't feel like that. Uh, I could only imagine what the digestive juices of the great fish uh, did to Jonah's eyes and his pores and uh, rubbing up against the ribs on the inside of the uh, of the, uh, the whale or the great fish probably rubbed him raw in several places and he'll talk about going down into the depths of the sea and uh, you could only imagine the great pressure that was exerted. Uh, only the whale's anatomy kept Jonah from being completely crushed by the pressure of the depths. And of course what the whale was trying to do was get that plug out of his digestive system. Because uh, I am sure that he had a terrible bellyache. And, and so finally, Jonah prays to God. And he says here that uh, 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 verse 7, I went when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came unto thee into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of... What's that next verse there? 
Thanksgiving. Now, we got Thanksgiving coming up in two weeks, but he says, here he is, three days, three nights in the belly of the wheel, and he says, I'm going to sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. You see, that's, that's what God wants from us. I will pay that which that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Job, I mean, Job, Jonah, understands something here. If I'm going to pray, I'm going to have to pray God's way, not my way. If God's going to answer my prayer, I'm going to have to surrender to do His Word. I cannot continue in my rebellion. And as He did, God gave both Jonah and the whale great relief. And uh, Jonah found himself on dry ground, and the whale found himself relieved of a great souring pit in his stomach. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So God repeats his direction, and Jonah takes off. And uh, the Bible tells us that Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Uh, That would tend to help us understand that going around the outside of the city of Nineveh would be three days. Uh, The archaeologist said approximately 60 miles uh, circle, and he went into the city one day. That's one-third. That's about the center of the city. And and so uh, Jonah goes in there and he begins to preach. And his preaching uh, was uh, very uh, compact. And uh, uh, all he said was, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And and I imagine uh, Jonah had a lot of love when he preached that message, don't you think? Now, Jonah was doing what he was supposed to do, but he still wasn't liking it. And so I can imagine, number one, how Jonah looked, as his skin would have been probably 25 or 30 different shades, uh, as the acids in the stomach would have bleached this part and left this part dark, and and, uh, then he would have laid against seaweed and had a green... Uh, tinge to his skin and, and uh, different places. I mean, he and I imagine he smelled really good after being in the whale's belly for three days and three nights. Uh, his clothes would have been quite the sight. So Jonah would have presented something almost alien, almost from another world. Uh, and he just says, you got 40 days to live and God's going to blow this place up. And you could tell he was enjoying the preaching. And somehow, the people of Nineveh believed God. You know, one thing that we, we need to remember is people will always, the sign of the prophet Jonas... People will always believe God if we'll present God to the people. Jonah did not 
go to find out the biggest uh, rock band in, uh, in the city of Nineveh and said, now we're just going to put some nice words to that to get them thinking about Jesus and we can warm the crowd up and, and we'll, we'll get some, uh, some things that will help remind the Ninevites of uh, we're going to build bridges. These are things the world says today. Quote, unquote, Christian people. Jonah wasn't building any bridges. He said, you got 40 days to live. And the people believe God. And you know something? In our world today, we don't need to be mean to God. That's offensive. But we don't have to be... We don't have to add personality to it. Now, I imagine Jonah did. God worked anyway. Amen? The people believed. They proclaimed a fast. And then we have... God repenting. Look at verse 10. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. Now this, these are the very people that God said is going to rise up in judgment of the scribes and the Pharisees to whom Jesus was talking because they repented. And how do we know their repentance was real? Look at the preceding verse, verse 10 there. I mean 9. It says, Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from His fierce anger that we perish not? The people of Nineveh said, We don't know if God will save us or not. But we're going to stop doing the violence and we're going to stop doing our wicked deeds and we're going to honor God whether he saves us or not. That's true repentance. That's something that's missing today. Many people are willing to repent of their sins as long as something good happens to them. How many of you remember uh, Oral Roberts? He had somebody write that little tune, I just feel like something good is about to happen. No, no, no. That wasn't the city of Nineveh, my friend. They didn't feel good about anything that Jonah said. And they didn't know what God would do, but they just stopped. And they listened to God. How many of you remember getting saved that way? Amen? And you know what? It doesn't hurt to live that way. God doesn't save us because He needs us. He saves us because He loves us. And we make mistakes. And the first thing we do when we sin, when we get a bad attitude, when we get crossways with another human being, what's the first thing we do? We try to put a little peanut butter over top, right? That makes everything better, doesn't it? No. just makes a mess. What we need to do is seek God's forgiveness first. That's the story of Job. That's the sign. The people of Nineveh repented. And then we've got chapter 4, which I must admit is one of the strangest chapters in the entire Bible to me because Job sees God's mercy displayed toward these people. And by the way, if you understand the history of Nineveh, it would be less than 150 years 
and the city of Nineveh would be completely erased from the pages of history. Uh, today, it is known as Mosul. Uh, it is still there in northern Iraq, uh, but nobody has lived in that city since 150 years after the days of Jonah. You know what? God's judgment did come because two generations down, they completely forsook God and turned away from Him and God's judgment came. Jonah got his wish if he could live 150 years to see it. See, God doesn't play games with sin. He doesn't let people go unpunished. But it displeased Jonah that these people got away with it. Let me tell you, they didn't get away with anything. Because they repented towards God and God gave them grace and mercy. Amen? And he prayed and he, he said, uh, told God that uh, this is the reason. Let's just read it. And he prayed, verse 2 of chapter 4. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Now, did you get Jonah's prayer? You know what Jonah wasn't thinking about? It was that same mercy and that same kindness that got him out of the well's belly. Amen? It was that same loving kindness and patience that Job was accusing God of toward the people of Nineveh, that's the only reason he was here today. He, he was there to say those things. We often take God's grace and His mercy for granted on us and pray that He would do something really bad to other people. And that's what Jonah was doing. And that's why Jonah never, never got right with God this whole time that he was there. And the um, uh, God asked him the question in verse 4, Dost thou well to be angry? He said, Do you have a right to be upset? That God is merciful? That God is kind? Uh, uh, that God is uh, slow to anger, that God is gracious. Do you have a right to be angry about that? And Jonah went out and he set himself up a little booth and God grew a wild weed with great big leaves up and it shaded him from the sun. And Job was going, wow, this is great. What a blessing. Then the next day God made a little worm. And it chewed a hole in the bottom of the vine and all the sap ran out and the sun came out and wilted all those leaves right up and the sun shone down on Jonah's head and he had a heat stroke. He passed out. And he just wanted to die. And God made an incredible illustration here. He said, you're upset about the wild gourd. Because it affected your comfort. 
And he said, you don't care a lick about all those souls in the city you're watching. He said, there's just something out of sync in your life. You know something? Was that not exactly where the scribes and the Pharisees were? They cared so much about all their little rules and their regulations, didn't they? They cared so much about their traditions and their understanding of the Bible and their little society. And they had worked hard to get to an understanding with Herod and the Romans. And they had a little bit of uh, of what we might call uh, freedom in, in this world that was governed by slavery, by Rome. And, and they thought they had what they needed. And Jesus was going to take that away from them. And for it, He was going to give them peace in their hearts and eternal life. But what did they do? Just like Jonah, they held on to the dead gourd of their own traditions instead of simply surrendering to the God of heaven. The sign of the prophet Jonas. And you know, we have to be careful that we don't hold on to things that we want and we just surrender to God to serve Him His way. How many of you have ever had to do something unpleasant in obedience to the Lord? Well, if you haven't, you will. But what we have to do is we have to keep our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. On His Word. If somebody's going to oppose us, let it be because of the words of God. Amen? And so, as we look through this Little book here, the sign of the prophet Jonah. The sign of the prophet Jonas, as Jesus said. He was all wrapped up in the wrong things. And God literally... uh, Shook up Jonah's world, did he not? But God got done what he wanted to do. And what I want us to pray about is that as a church, we'll just not have to go through whaleology to get headed in the right direction. Amen? The word of the Lord does not need to come to us. We can hold it in our hands. And we just need to get concerned about the things that God is really concerned about. And we live in a world of distraction. And so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would help us to study the story of Jonah. Lord, his unwillingness to surrender to your goodness and kindness. And Lord, let us not follow his example, 
but follow that of Jesus Christ. Lord, let us not worry about a sign or a wonder. Let us just be obedient to your words. Help us, Lord. Encourage us. Let us understand with our heart and our soul how silly it is to disobey you in anything, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano playing. If you need to slip out and spend a few moments, the altar's open.